Welcome and thank you for joining Diaries of an Ex-Adult Entertainer with Robin Robbins, the podcast, where we have real, raw, and uncut conversations about transforming negative experiences. Get ready to be empowered to take inspired action to heal, activate inner liberation, and birth your new. Hey, 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 everybody. We're back with another episode. It's your illustrious, vivacious host, Robin Robin. And today, in honor of Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we are finishing the story of the lost girl this episode and we're going to get into some statistics and some things um, later on in the episode that will uh, be of help to you all. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right in. Hopefully, listen, right here, let me just say this really quickly. If you have not yet, if you have not Okay, heard part one, stop listening to this episode and go back to part one so that where I'm picking up from makes sense, okay? So we're just going to go ahead and dive directly right into this episode um, with no further preliminaries, if you will. So I left off at the young girl at this point I believe she's 16 and she has got the hookup with the fake ID and she is in the strip clubs yes shorty is in the strip clubs okay she is shaking what her mama gave her okay (laughs) that part so she's uh, finding her way, trying to, you know, again, make enough money in order to be able to properly clothe herself, etc. Um, it advances from the strip club to, you know, again, the prostitution with her, her roommate, Dana. She um, has been exposed, if you will, um, to what Dana is doing and how she's staying so laced and all that good stuff, right? So she, they're working at the strip club and, you know, Dana also lets her know from time to time, you know, she works the strip for extra money. And so this one particular time, you know, this, this, she, decided to venture off with Dana. Um, I should also tell you guys, though, that when she first started dancing, she was totally, 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 totally nervous and um, just decided since dance was her gift anyway, and she had a way with moving her body, she had just decided that, you know, she would just dance. Like, she was new to this. She didn't understand that there was an art, if you will, to what exotic dancers do, what strippers do. Um, 
again, not glorifying it, but we just we just got to keep it all the way 100, you guys. Okay, there is an art to that, to be able to pull and master your body weight and do certain things that is calls for, you know, coordination, flexibility, time, uh, things of that nature. So at the end of the day, um, you know, when, when you're not looking at the environment and all those other uh, things, and you're just solely looking at the, the work of the dancer, it, it is an art to it. And so she just thought in her mind, like, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and um, I'm just going to dance, like regular dancing. And she eventually had to find her way because regular dancing um, wasn't going to be the ticket. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it helped with coordination and timing and stuff, but it wasn't going to be the full ticket. And so this particular time, they decide to go ahead and venture off uh, and, and make, quote unquote, extra money. And, you know, they're doing their thing. They, you know, handle the business in terms of, in terms of here's where we're going to meet. This is the meeting port point, this and this and that, all that good stuff. And they are doing their thing. They are, quote unquote, slamming doors, Okay. Um, this is kind of like terminology used in, 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 in that life, if you will. Slamming doors and, um, you know, turning tricks and stuff like that. And the night seems to be going just smooth. You know, it's going off without a hitch. And then all of a sudden, this loud voice comes from out of any, uh, you know, from out of nowhere, it seems like. And hey you bees want to get down da, da, da. you know this all of this rah-rah and so the girl tells her friend Dana she's like get into the street put your head down do not look at him don't say anything keep walking and so that's exactly what they do and this guy is spewing all types of stuff if you don't want to get down lay down holes and all you know all this other stuff that this guy is, is spouting, spewing, and whatever. And so after, you know, the incident was over, of course, they were very, very afraid um, because this guy is yelling in the street. He's very aggressive, and they don't know what's what. And so Dana asks her, um, you know, once they get to where they're going, like, what was that? What was happening? How did you know to do that? And at, at this point, of course, she has, you know, lets uh, Dana in on when she went a wall and, you know, she had that experience. She learned from the pimps what that world was like in the terminology and how to conduct yourself and how to, um, you know, maintain safety and so basically she was explaining that you know he was a pimp sound from the sound of it he was more like a gorilla pimp these are gorilla pimps are people that basically they are forceful and it's it's not it, they take right so they'll they'll take the girls they'll take they just take that's kind of like their mindset and so she explains to her you know 
getting in the street and putting your head down. Now, these are all like, like etiquette, if you will, protocol, if you will. Um, and when someone conducts themselves like that, that kind of eludes to the other pimps that these girls are taking. If they're being groomed, if they know what to do, that means they have someone is connected to them. They have someone. So um, in terms of that etiquette. And so basically the that horrible experience that she experienced when she went AWOL and you know wound up getting pimped and all that stuff, crazy stuff. Um she and you know she was able to think quick on her feet and it basically saved their lives um fast forward she is now being like really being um, engrossed if you will in this adult entertainment so she went from having trafficking experiences by way of pimps and stuff to now she's with her roommate on her own and doing these things voluntarily for survival purposes. They don't have any pimp. They don't have any of that. They're just on their own, which can be considered renegating and all that other stuff in terms of terminology. All right. so. Um, after a while of them being out on the streets, giving up their money and stuff like that, they go back to the group home. Um, of course, at this point, the young lady doesn't realize uh, her appearance. She doesn't realize how she, she looks. Um, she, because of some other experiences, she was on certain medications, had gained some weight and things of that nature. But not taking the medications and being out there in the streets and ripping and running and, you know, living a fast lifestyle, she wound up, you know, losing weight and going back to her original size. So they go back, she, you know, to the group home. She's back down to her original size. She has lost this weight. She's no longer on the medication. She doesn't get back on the medication. Um, she begins talking with family and stuff. And the family members, the siblings, they're here in Atlanta, um, Georgia, and she's up in New York and they're telling her, hey, it's a better living down here. You can make something of yourself. You can do much more, blah, blah, blah. And so she, she goes for it. At 18 years old, she signs herself out of the system moves to Atlanta, Georgia with her siblings. That's not the best situation. There's some, uh, you know, turbulence, if you will, there. Eventually, she is on her own, has her own apartment. She has her own job. And she gets a call from her adoptive mother, Raven. Okay. And Raven says, hey, you know, we got some things going on up here. Can you take your sister, blah, blah, blah. She takes her sister. She says, of course, you can send my sister to me. Again, remembering how they grew up, you know, excuse me, the husband in the house, 
and all the abuse and all the craziness. So of course, she's like, absolutely, you can send my sister to me, I'll take her. And they make this arrangement where Raven um, promises, I'm going to go ahead and give you $500 a month towards the cost of living because you know, you're now you're taking on your sister. So this will help you. I know you have a job and you can afford to pay like your household bills and take care of yourself. But this will, this should be able to cover, you know, each month, anything your sister needs. So the sister comes down, she tells her, hey, I just want you to focus on getting your GED, like getting a trade or whatever. Um, you know, you're safe now, everything is going to be okay, just focus on that. Well, eventually, the, the sister that comes uh, down winds up getting pregnant. And so, you know, at this point, it's, you know, it's turbulent. At this point, she has received one payment of $500 and has not received anything else that was promised to her to help contribute. Things are starting to get tight. Things are starting to, you know, just become very burdensome in terms of the thought process of how am I going to take care of sister and the babies? Now, check this out. The sister wasn't just pregnant. Um, with one child, twins running their family. And so the sister was pregnant with twins. So it's not just the, just the sister and a baby, it's the sister and two kids that this young lady is now responsible for. So at this point, she's around 19 years old. Okay. And this is the condition and the state that they are all in. And one day she goes to the little, you know, sex store <laughs> and she gets a magazine and she flips through the magazine and in the back of the magazine, she sees all of these different ads and these different things. And she remembers what she did in New York. She remembers, you know, how she turned tricks. She remembers how she, you know, worked in the strip club, you know, she remembers these things and she's like, well, let me see if I could try to work some, you know, get in the strip club or whatever the case may be um, now to get some extra money. And so here it is. They're all in Atlanta. This is what's happening. And she does various things. She winds up connecting with people, um, working private parties, you know, that whole scene, getting on, figuring things out. Um, she eventually, you know, goes from um, doing like private parties and stuff like that because she couldn't get in strip clubs because in the state of Georgia, you have to have permits and permits cost. And again, she's tight on money. So she figured I'll work some private parties to get up the money to get the permit to go into the clubs. Well, you know, those parties were few in between and, and being behind and, and bills and things of that nature, it wasn't enough. It was, 
helping them, but it wasn't enough. And so she eventually um, goes back to that magazine and she sees that there are agencies. Mm-hmm. There are agencies and she gets into, you know, call, making phone calls and she's interviewing for a position in these agencies. This life opens up a whole new world to her. It was nothing like what it was in New York. It was highly, highly sophisticated. She recognized and realized this was a world of its own, okay? Where there was like, really, I'm sure that they had them, but there was really no such thing like that as street walkers and stuff like that. Everything was very sophisticated. They weren't pro- they weren't prostitutes. They were escorts. Like it was a whole different world. Okay, um, and so she gets basically submerged. Submerged into this world to survive so she's doing her thing she goes in uh with the mindset of needing to survive needing to provide us for for myself for my sister for her kids this is the mindset of this young lady going in to this situation and um as she gets into it She's seeing the money rolling. She's seeing the attention. She's like, this whole new world is being opened up to her. And eventually she gets lost into this world. And her mindset is, finally, I'm going to have a say. And who touches my body? Who, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to um, basically call the shots and no one's going to call the shots for me. Um, and she went, went kind of left with it, kind of like in a sense of revenge. Um, this was her way of getting back and, you know, all this stuff. And so she's into this world and she gets lost in it. And one day while she is dancing, she hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, I told you guys in the beginning, again, if you have not caught part one, you have to catch part one in order for this to make sense, okay? that she grew up in, in, in the adopted home was a Christian home and all of that. So she, this young girl like gave her life to God when she was just six years old. And so she had, she knows who God is. She had a relationship and all of that, but she's just in, in on her journey. She's just in her thing called life. Right. And she hears God basically talking to her saying, hey, you know, um, you don't belong here. What are you doing here? And, and, and at first she thinks she's going crazy. Um, could you imagine she's in the strip club, all dolled up, looking all cute, smelling all great. She's asking, you want to dance? You want to dance? <laughs> and then God just starts speaking to her. And that's, that's hilarious to me. Okay, because God, God is funny like that for real. For real. Um, <laughs> and this is what happens to her. And so 
she's made several attempts to get out. But each time that she made those attempts, the money just didn't match. It just, the money just didn't compare. And she found herself going back um, because of the money. Three times she attempted to get out. The third time was actually successful. And I believe it was successful because of these variables. She had a support system. She had a partner that loved her, a support system. And, you know, they were on that path to rededicating their life to Christ and, and all of that. So finding, uh, being invited to church and all of that, it, it, these events helped to begin to shift and pivot her life. She then went on to um, basically answer the call, if you will. So she, at this point, she's rededicated her life. She's back in church, slowly but surely coming out of this world that she had known for the last few years. And um, she's going through that process. Her mind is being renewed, is being shifted, is being changed. It was so much that she had to purge from and, and release and like, you know, go through um, during this process once she began to pivot and rededicate her life back to Christ and, you know, is now back in the church. And ironic enough, in the beginning, I told you guys that she found her own gift. Her siblings had a lot of different gifts, but she found her own gift. And her gift was the gift of dance. She could move her body in such a way well the irony while she was in adult entertainment dancing and doing all that stuff um she she sees people dancing in the church and <laughs> she remembered from when she was younger how she used to dance in church and something inside of her just connected and she answers this call to dance for God, right? And so she's still going through her purging process. And the very thing that the enemy tried to use to snatch her life, to take her life, dancing in the club, right? Is the very thing that God uses to pull her in and to pull her near and to cultivate an intimate relationship with her she literally her life like transforms and changes before people's eyes literally and she goes on to launch out into ministry and she begins to teach others the art of worship and intimacy with God through these different forms of worship like dance mime and all these different things um, she, from that, she begins to create curriculum and she's got an online academy. I'm talking about this ministry thing is really moving for her. And she never set out to do ministry. It was her, she had one heart's desire and that was to be pleasing to God and to just, just give back what he gave her. And so 
throughout this, this ministry forms, it comes, she's traveling, she's teaching, she's holding workshops, doing conferences, she's imparting this wisdom and this level of intimacy that she's garnered through her personal relationship and her process of coming back into Christ. And she winds up, you know, doing the online academy, the online academy, um, you know, because of that, she winds up publishing like four books. So she becomes an author by default, not even intentional, just trying to find a way to duplicate herself because she's only one person, but she wants to make sure things are done in excellence and things are done right. And to make sure the students have what they need. So she becomes an author by default. And she's like, how can I expand my reach more? Because everybody's not going to take the course online. And so she, she had the course. The course came with one book. But she wanted to duplicate herself for being only one person. So she published three more total for in order for people to just purchase the books and do the lessons and stuff independently and or with their ministries. And so this is all happening. She's traveling, she's preaching, she's teaching, you know, this is just happening on its own, right? Nothing that she set out to actually do or to be. And as time goes on, she hears, write a book about about your life, like share your story and what you survived and what you, you know, what you've been through. And so she, she writes the book. Um, she also receives the divine download and she's told that she's going to be a coach. And at the time she's like, huh, she doesn't even identify. She doesn't know what a coach even is. Uh, looks it up, finds out, oh, that's what a coach is, tries to get certified, and it's out of budget. It does not meet budget. She gets frustrated, and she says, well, God, if that's really you, if I really heard your voice, then it'll, you will, you got it. You'll work it out, and literally a year later from the time that she received that divine download, that's exactly what happened, and she, she became a certified coach launches a new business as a coach and her book and her book becomes an Amazon bestseller. And from her story, her sharing her story and, you know, empowering others and speaking and teaching, it affords her many opportunities. She becomes an international speaker, traveling to different places. Um, she becomes sought after helping other people, you know, find their voice and transform their stuff into whatever they feel like it's supposed to be. And this young lady, y'all, that was one lo once lost, this young lady that went through all of the trauma and these different things and these different experiences goes from being the victim to, to becoming the victor. Goes from, you know, being in a place of defeat to helping others strategize to overcome and come out of defeat. 
um, helping and empowering people to see their situations and circumstances, their experiences, and the things that they have been through, and literally sharing with them a sacred process to help them transform that into something else. And so she goes from, you know, being um, all of these other things, right? Uh, a mistress to a minister, you know, and, and you know, um, uh, 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 like she, it's just, just major transformation. And so I want to share with you really quickly, okay, that there is so much power in the things that we experience. It really, really is. And that's why I love interviewing people and hearing their stories and the things that they have gone through and how they transform it and turn it into something that not only liberates themselves, but has the capacity and the power to liberate others. And so going from uh, mistress to minister, uh, you know, exhorter to speaker and, you know, uh, girl, listen girl or sir if you're watching <laughs> okay all this stuff this major transformation i find it fascinating okay not only do i find the story of the lost girl fascinating but i'm here to tell you that the story of the lost girl is me yes i was hurt i went through those things and i transformed form those things into something. And that's why I'm so personally passionate about helping people to see their experiences in ways that's often hard to see because of the humanity of the experience, you know, having to feel that pain, having to go through those things. Sometimes it's hard to see uh, what's really locked and loaded inside of those experiences in order to transform them. So before we go, as promised, I want to give you guys some really, really important uh, information. We did preventative last week. And this week, I kind of want to go into deeper. I told you guys I wanted to kind of talk about signs and stuff like that. So really quickly, I'm going to start with some statistics, okay? These are some fun, fun, fun facts. Now, I'm not sure what the statistics are worldwide. Why? But I, I can share the statistics for Atlanta. All right. Did you know that 95% of women in the adult entertainment and sex industry were sexually abused as children? Did you know that 82.1% of victims in sex trafficking incidents are identified as U.S. citizens? Remember? is happening in our own backyard. Did you know that the average age a girl enters into prostitution is between the age of 11 and 14? Did you know that 89% of the women in adult entertainment and the sex industry said that they wanted out, but had no other means of survival? Did you know that 73% of the women in prostitution have been raped more than five times. Did you know 
that 70% of females who are trafficked are trafficked into the commercial sex industry. This is just a glimpse of the percentages. Now, those, those are some high percentages, y'all. That's really, really, really high. And so what I always tell people is before you judge the quote-unquote prostitute on the street, before you judge the high in upscale escort or cortisone, before you judge that girl in the strip club, think about these two episodes. Every single person is a soul. That is a human being. And while we may not understand and for some people may not agree with what is happening or with what they are doing, every single person has a story and you never, absolutely never know what led them to where they are. You never know. And so in terms of um, being a voice and or being of help to these individuals, you must have a non-judgmental, unbiased heart. You just have to have an open mind because you never know what has led them to where they are, where they are. And I am a believer and am for choice. In other words, there are some women who are in these industries voluntarily and willingly. There are some women who were trafficked in, okay? And there are some women who voluntarily go in, but they go in for survival purposes. Um, as I stated, statistic-wise, they would prefer to do something else, but this is the only thing that they know. That's the, the they feel like that's the only means of survival that they have, you know. Um, and while I did share my story, I didn't give everything because I was trying to be cognizant of time and chop it up to where you get the gist of what is needed. But if you want to read my story in detail, you can find this book everywhere that books are uh, sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you can find it everywhere books are sold. And if you would like a personalized autographed copy, you can simply go to my website. I'll leave it in the show notes in the description below and purchase you an autographed copy from my website. Now, I want to, right quick, get into some of the things. Um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit with the statistics. But there are a lot of signs, if you will, um, or let me say it like this. There are a lot of things that those who end up in, in these industries and in these places have in common. As you know, I stated before, a lot of these women and men who are trafficked have some type of sexual abuse in their childhood rape, um, physical abuse in their child, excuse me, in their childhood, 
There may be a lack of education. They normally go through major loss within their childhood. There may or may not be some type of criminal background. They may or may have not experienced domestic violence on some sort of level. They nine times out of 10 have experienced, you know, some type of per parental abandonment and or neglect. They have experienced either being underemployed or unemployed, hence survival, like not having enough and needing to come up on money quick and fast. They usually have one or more years in the sex industry or adult entertainment. Um, they have at some point experienced, um, for the most part, being trafficked or pimped by a close friend or family member. Mental, mentally, they suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, have probably gone through some type of self-harm or depression. Emotion, emotional self-abuse, uh, dissociative identity disorder, and have little to no coping mechanisms. These are some of the things that are common. And it's a process to heal and to purge when you come out of that. Um, and, you know, I'm just super grateful for those who are advocates and are who and who are raising awareness every single day and putting resources in place for those who are in need. Um, a lot of these women and or men experience domestic sex trafficking or massage brothels, um, prostitution, pornography, escort, strip clubs, other forms of adult entertainment, entertainment such as like phone sex operator, webcam, all that, those different things. Um, and they have, again, some type of traumatic abusive background. Um, there, you know, aren't too many, I'm sure that some exist, but there really usually aren't too many who are in that, that type of field or, or work that hasn't experienced um, something traumatic in their life. In terms of signs, you know, um, I love how now with domestic violence, they've developed literal signs, like hand gestures that um, can be expressed for, you know, people to know that they are in trouble and they need help. And I honestly feel like when it comes to those who have been in traffic or those who are in a situation that they don't want to be in, that's something that would be helpful as well for that to be developed and um, for them to get out of situations. But other signs, um, you know, usually include them looking as though they are there, but not there. It's almost like they have this glazed overlook where they really don't want to be in, in existence. You know what I mean? Um, because of just the things that they have to go through and, you know, what they have to do, you know? Typically, um, those in this line of work they do 
eventually deal with some type of addiction, whether it be alcohol or whether it be drugs to cope with and or to be quote unquote on to perform. Um, yeah. And so, you know, um, signs again, looking, sometimes they have these suspicious, you know, vans and stuff like that. Um, just unmarked, nothing on the vans, you know, those who are into at that level of it, where they are literally kidnapping, snatching, throwing people in, in vans, taking them, selling them, trafficking them that way, or whatever the, the case may be. Um, like I said, having that glazed over kind of like I'm here, but not here look um, often I, from my experience is um, what I have personally found to be, you know, true. Um, in terms of help, um, in terms of help, um, I know a lot of people, especially now, especially now because it's, it's out there more now versus when I had my nonprofit and was advocating for it, there was maybe a handful of organizations that existed and it was hard to really get volunteers and, and, and to really move because people couldn't stomach the work. Um, it just couldn't stomach the work and what it took. But um, for those of you who want to do outreach, for those of you who are maybe in a ministerial capacity and you, and you feel led and called to this, again, I'm going to say non-judgmental. You want to meet people where they are because you never know how, where, what's going on. Um, you don't want to be pushy um, and you want to make sure you have the resources in place um, for successful transition. A lot of the times, people have a lot to say about what people are doing and how they're making money, but you don't have the proper setup for them to successfully transition and easily transition. And there is more than one way to transition um, and come out of the industry, if you will. You know, some people stack up money and they do it on their own, and while others need a support system. Like for me, I had a support system. I got back aligned spiritually. I also went back to school, right? Um, I had, I went to get my GED. I got a trade. Um, I did what was necessary in order to be able to take care of myself um, to successfully transition out of that. And um, in the midst of, you know, being able to transition, come out of that, you know, work a job and all that stuff, uh, you know, there was some amazing things that happened and I wound up becoming an entrepreneur and going into business for myself and helping and, and empowering others. Y'all, I'm sorry. Y'all see me touching my face a lot. I'm, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little sleepy today. <laughs> but um, yes, uh, I, you know, it, it, it takes, it's a mindset thing in order to transition out because when you're in that lifestyle, there's so much that as far as your mind, your mind is like totally rewired in a different way. And then when you come out, your mind has to be rewired and renewed again, okay? So it's definitely a mindset thing. 
um, especially in terms of stewardship with finances. You know, you get used to a fast-paced life, making money really, really fast, um, and not only making money fast, but spending it just as fast and making it right back. And so, you know, there's a lot that one has to go through mentally in order to shift the paradigm to be able to kind of like, you know, normal life, you know, where you got a budget, where you got a, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I hope that, um, this has been an eye opener for you all. I hope that you've taken away some, some things. There are more signs, of course. I kind of just came to very, very light ones. Sometimes talking about this kind of gets to me a little bit. It does. Um, and that's why I left the advocating to others. Um, but every now and again, you know, I don't mind lending my voice. Um, as a survivor, as someone who has taken everything that they have experienced and turned it into something else that not only liberated and empowered myself, but continues to empower others every single day. So, you know, I love you guys to life as usual. I'm going to have some resources in the short show notes below and or in the description. And I'm also going to have those links that I promised. If you guys don't remember anything else, as usual, please remember to believe in yourself. Oh my God. Believe in yourself, honey. Believe in your future so much that you outlive your past. I'm a live, living, breathing, and walking testament that if you believe in your future, you know that you will outlive your past. You can totally transform that thing, all right? So I love you to life, and I'm going to see you next episode. Listen, I'm thinking about changing the name of the podcast really briefly. Y'all could comment, leave me some comments, and let me know if you think I should keep the name of the podcast it is currently or if I should go ahead and change it to birth her the podcast because I think I really want to change it we're in a new year now doing new things I know we're in season two and we're and we just kind of like came back we've been back for a little over a month now but we just kind of like you know came back um and now I want to change the name I know y'all know y'all just got flow with me I just got to I go with what I feel like needs to happen. So <laughs> let me know if y'all like that. You know, we're still the same podcast, still the same type of content, still interviewing others and having different like solo episodes. But I think I really want to change it to book her. Y'all let me know what you think. All right. Love you to life. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Diaries of an Exodol Entertainer, the podcast. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Robin D. Robbins. Important links for this episode can be found in the description. Until next time, share this podcast with a friend. Hugs and much love, beautiful souls.